Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And guys, don't forget to check out Stu's Wrestling Podcast. The only place you are going to see the old-time American wrestlers come on and personalities and tell their stories on this great platform that's Stu's Wrestling Podcast. You're listening to Stu's Wrestling Podcast. It's time, your host, Stu Palmer. This is a pinch myself moment because my guest today is Jacques Rougeau, aka the Mountie. You will remember him as a one time Intercontinental Champion and also a three time tag team champion as one half of the Quebecers. And it was an absolute honour and a privilege to get Jacques on. Jacques is here to promote Wrestling Academy, a contest which is running till August in Canada, and it's for all up-and-coming wrestlers. There's $5,000 for the winner, and you also get into the Nightmare Factory with QT Marshall. You're going to see a video from QT Marshall very, very soon in this episode. So yeah, we start with that. And then I had fan questions from you guys who followed his career, especially in the early 90s. Some great questions. It was great. The interactivity was fantastic. So, yeah, we asked him loads of questions, and then I put some into him as well. So, without further ado, my guest for episode 114 of Stu's Wrestling Podcast is Jacques Rougeau from the famous Rougeau Wrestling family, a.k.a. the Mountie. Enjoy. My guest today, all the way from Quebec in Canada, it is wrestling legend, former WWF, WWE and WCW star. It's Mr. Jacques Rougeau, who you would also have known as the Mountie back in the 90s as well. Jacques Rougeau, it's an absolute pleasure. And can I just sing one line of your entrance music, please, sir, before we get going? (laughs) He's the Mountie. He's the Mountie, he got under my skin when I was a kid, but he always <laughs> got his man. There you go, there you go, just, just brief, just brief. But yeah, no, don't, you? Don't. Hi Stewie, don't, don't quit your day job, don't go into uh, you're not, you're not, You're not wrong, you're not wrong there, yeah, I'll stick to podcasting, that's it, uh, yeah, I'm never going to be it. Jacques, before we get into your career, because you had a lengthy career in wrestling, I, I was looking through actually, 40, 40 years wrestling, man. Up, up until retirement, but we've got something to talk about, which is pretty current. It's the Academy is starting the 2022 Academy competition. So yeah, let, let the viewers know. And also if you can pronounce it in French as well. Yeah, it's called the Lutte Academy, Lutte Academy. And it's a, it's a great, great project that we've put together, my girlfriend and myself for the last nine months. We, uh, we actually have for the first time the 10 provinces in, uh, in Canada that they're going to work together on this project where I want to recruit most of the best wrestlers of every independent federation across Canada from Halifax all the way to Vancouver 
And it's going to be a talent show where it's going to be also a reality TV show where, where people are going to be able to go and vote to see who they want to keep and who they want to let go. It's amazing. There's ladies in this. There's men in this. And uh, so, so it's, uh, it's something that we're very, very excited. We're very, very excited because uh, it's all coming down Sunday, uh, May 15th, at the Club Soda in Montreal live. And uh, we have judges by the ring that are going to be voting at 40%. I'll be one of the judges also. And uh, then we have 60% of the votes that are going to be coming from around the world. And as, as a matter of fact, let me take the opportunity now. If we have it on the screen, I don't know. Yep. But uh, wrestling-academy.ca, you could go and you could click on the pictures of the talent and you could vote for them to keep them in. It's just an amazing project. I'm, I'm very proud of this project. Amazing. How long have you been working on this, Shock? How long has well, it been, been put together? It's been nine months now. It's been nine months we've been working on this and it's all coming and there's going to be four nights of wrestling. There's going to be the 15th of May, which is the first round. There'll be the 26th of June, which will be the first round again because there's 40 competitors. And then we're going down to the semifinals on the 14th of August. And then the finals, <clears throat> it's going to be amazing because it's going to be the 28th of August, the finals. And uh, the prizes are absolutely tremendous in this deal. Like we have four winners that are going to win $5,000 each, the four winners, but more importantly, there's going to be a, a, a three-month academy given to them, to the four winners, with QT Marshall at the Nightmare Factory in the United States of America, where a lot of the big leagues, they recruit the young superstars to become famous. And so I even have a promo there. I don't know if you have a chance we could show this pro promo from QT Marshall. Abs absolutely. AEW's QT Marshall obviously coaches at the Nightmare Factory. And here it is. Promoting the Academy show. Loot the Academy, if I can pronounce that correctly. My French is poor. But yeah, here <laughs> is QT Marshall promoting what's going to be happening this weekend. Hello again, Wrestling Academy. This is QT Marshall from All Elite Wrestling and the co-owner and head coach of the Nightmare Factory. Uh, and we're on the road again. We just finished another huge episode of AEW Dynamite, but that's not why I'm here. It's not what we're here to talk about. We are less than two weeks away from the first round of Wrestling Academy at Club Soda, Sunday, May 15th. And I'm following along. I've been watching all your promos, watching your entry submission videos. I'm excited. Everyone's excited about this. And uh, I'm going to be following along. And most importantly, I plan on being there in person for the finals to give away a three-month scholarship to the Nightmare Factory to learn from us, learn from everything that we've been taught, and hopefully, hopefully help you uh, get you to the next level. And on top of that, $5,000. Now, I'm excited. I hope you're excited. Good luck. Like I said, I will be following along. I'll be checking out the progress, see who's getting eliminated. Remember, this is a competition, so please give it your all. And uh, I hope to see everybody soon. Good luck. Remember, Sunday, May 15th, the first round. Let's see who makes it to round two. Fantastic there from QT Isn't Marshall. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that so, amazing? So good. So good. So well respected so three months, in the business. So imagine, so imagine, Stewie, imagine this. There's two things that make, that make it happen for a wrestler. When I was young, there was two things that made it happen. Being at the right place at the right time and knowing the right people. And, you know, for Canadian wrestlers at this point in time, 
it's very hard for them to go wrestle to the United States because of working visas and working papers. So now this opportunity is like four Canadian wrestlers, some female, some male, will have the opportunity to spend three months in the United States without papers. They're just going for an academy, but they're going to be seen by QT Marshall and all the, the talent and every and there are superstars that are now on the roster worldwide. So once they've been seen and if they have the talent to make it to the big leagues, then they will be able to get their entry forms and papers and all that later on. So this is a door, an opening for them. And what a great, great opportunity. I'm so excited that QT Marshall himself will be coming down to Montreal on the 28th of August to be a guest judge on the last final day of this tournament. So you can, I can tell you that the talent across Canada is going mad and going wild now because it's all starting this Sunday coming up. So I can tell you the, the atmosphere here, in the, it's incredible. Absolutely. The atmosphere will be palpable in Montreal, in Quebec. And as you say, going straight into August as well with this. So it's quite quite a long time. It's quite a long time. What an opportunity for these young stars, or future and, stars, should I say. And you know, that's the big point, Stewie. The, the big point is you guys out there in the UK could go ahead and go on wrestling-academy.ca and vote. And, and the, this is what's fun, is one day one of these superstars... One of these talent that are amateur talent are going to become superstars. And when they do, it's going to be the fun that if ever they go wrestle sometime in a building next or close to you, you'll be able to see them go by you and you'll be able to say, hey, when you were not known and you were in Jacques Rougeau's Wrestling Academy, I voted for you. And now, you know, so, so I'm the one who brought you to where you're going. So everybody could be incorporated and be have a, an appartenance, as we say in French, like a belonging in this project. You, you can make a difference in these talents. So, so go on wrestling-academy.ca and vote for your favorite wrestler. Amazing, amazing. I can't believe, going back to you saying about working visas, I find that crazy in this day and age that they can't go down to the States as easily, you know, as easy. That's crazy to me. In modern times, you know what I mean? They should be able to go down, down to... Well, you to know, uh, uh, Americans, I can tell you with my characters and with my personalities, my three characters I have in the WWF, that uh, Americans are funny people, you know. They, they, they think they're the best in the world. They always think they're on top of everything. And, and, and so they like to, to put their people ahead of everybody else in the world. So they always said to me, I remember the day that Raymond and I, we got our working papers to go to the United States. Vince McMahon had to send to the government to prove that the talent that they're recruiting from other countries are better than the talent that they have. Otherwise, the government was saying, take our own talent. So the Americans are a very proud people, you know, so, so, so that's why it's, it's, the opportunity is very hard for Canadian wrestlers to go and work in the United States. So, let's, so hopefully this contest will open up four doors for some Canadian talent to, to hopefully one of them make it to the big, big time. We look forward to see what transpires with that. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, I want to get speaking to you about your career. You came from the famous Rougeau family. Wrestling was in your lineage. You know, how was it starting out? I was reading, obviously, you went to Stew Hart's territory. You went to Stampede <laughs> many, many years ago. And we'll get on to WWF because you signed in 85 with WWF. But yeah, getting your start being a young wrestler and yeah, just like your tips and advice for future stars of the, of the business. Cause it was a different time when you got into the business, how it is now. Yeah, absolutely. The business is completely different today, but you know, I, I remember when I was about 17 years old and I weighed about 175 pounds wet and you know, when my, uh, <coughs> my mom, 
she believed in me a lot, but my dad was a little harder on me. He, uh, I told my dad, I said, Dad, I'm ready to go wrestle, you know, in the big leagues around the world. And my dad would look at me, and, and my nickname was Bones at the time. You know, so, so I was very, very skinny. And my daddy would always tell me, like, you know, hey, well, put some weight on first. You know, you're too skinny. <clears throat> and so finally, anyway, I, I went to see my mom, and I told my mom, I said, Mom, I said, I think I have an opportunity with Stu Hart in Calgary. And I said, uh, I had a little message sent over there and he responded to me because of the Rougeau name. I used the Rougeau name because, as you said, we're four generations, so we were very well known. So when I sent the message to Stu, he answered back to me. So I told my mom, I said, Mom, I said, I'd like to, 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 to borrow $500 from you, you know, and, and, and my father didn't know because I went behind his back. And then my mom <laughs> gave me the $500 so I could pay my first month the hotel and my transportation and stuff like that. And I started with Stu, and, and what a great, great, great opportunity. At the time, uh, Stu, uh, Bret Hart, which is a world, uh, the, the biggest icon ever came out of Canada, he was driving the bus at the time. He wasn't even wrestling. So it was fun. I was like a, a young pup there going into the, the new ranks of the professional business, and, and Brett was driving the bus. I remember one time he hit a moose. We were going from Saskatoon <laughs> to Calgary, and he hit oh, a moose. Oh, my days. But, uh, but we got so many stories, Brett and I, as you know, down the road. But what a great, great opportunity. I started in Calgary in 77, and I went on back in 78, and then I went to Mexico, 79. I went to Kansas City, and then it all started for me. Small territories. We went from one place to another because there was many, many small territories. It wasn't like today where there's big, big territories, and if you don't make it there, you don't make it anywhere. And, and uh, so, so it was fun. And, and the word to mouth, <clears throat> because of my name, and because I... Um, I was a pretty good worker, you know. I I, I, I had talent for the business, and uh, I, I was in the business since I was four years old. I saw all these wrestlers come to my home, and, you know, I was, like, brought up in the business. So I caught on pretty good there, and I had the kind of showmanship. I got that when I was young, too. So, so I was lucky to have uh, the, the, the breaks that I did to go from small territory to territory. End up, I finally end up in, uh, after doing Tennessee, I did uh, Jesus, uh, Kansas City, I did uh, Florida. I did many territories like that, but I ended up, I was lucky, I, end, I ended up in Atlanta, Georgia, where, where it was a TBS that was there, a Turner Broadcast System, and it was the NWA. And that gave me some great exposure because Atlanta, Georgia, was the only territory at the time that you could see it on TV every week from coast to coast, from all the way to Boston, all the way to San Francisco, compared to all the other territories, which every state had their own TV, but it was only locally in every state. But when you got to Atlanta, Georgia, TBS and CNN and all that, you could see it around the whole country. So that gave me some great exposure. And from then on, and it spoke for itself. I just, uh, uh, I had some interest from Vince McMahon who started to, Pat Patterson was actually his right-hand man. Then he started peeking at me a little bit more and more. He kept seeing me and, uh, and, and that's how things happened where I ended up in the WWF. The great Pat Patterson as well. R.I.P. R.I.P. Great, great man. Very good man. Very, he helped me a lot in my career. Were you in? Were you and Raymond together in the when you were there in that sort of time frame before WWF, or was he off no. in different territories to you? No, no. Raymond was more <clears throat> staying locally at home in Montreal, and uh, he did come to Atlanta, but he didn't like to travel in the in the winter time. He liked to stay in Montreal. I I, I like to. I was more like a guy that liked to go and get to small territories, and even went to Mexico in '78 to get some experience.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I really wanted to make it big in this business. And I knew by going from territory to territory, I could always go and steal a few moves from a few guys. And then when I come back to home to Montreal, they would see me differently after six months of me being gone. They would say, oh, wow, Jacques got better. Oh, wow, Jacques got new moves. And so it was really my passion to become the best. So, 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 so we, I was more individually going to territories to territories all the way up to 85. And then, except in the summertime. In the summertime, for like five, six, seven years, every time I'd come home, then Raymond and I, we'd tag team in Montreal, Quebec, all the time across the province. But like I said, when I'd go to small territories, I'd go by myself. And then, and, and, but then in 85 came the great day, the big day where we got the call there from Vince McMahon. And, uh, and that was an amazing time. They're the Rougeau brothers and WWF. <laughs> How was it with Vince when you first met him and you were setting the wheels in motion to go there? How, how, was, uh, how was the boss man? Quote, unquote. Well, you know, the, I'll never forget one line that he told us. I remember we were sitting in the office meeting him for the first time. We had the big limousine come us, pick us up at the airport. It was big time now. And he really tried to impress us, with he, which he did. And uh, I'll, I'll never forget the meeting when I, I finally had the guts to ask him when I was sitting in front of him. I said, well, what are your plans with us? Like, what do you want to do with us? And then and, and he looked at us and he said, the sky is the limit. And, uh, <laughs> and that's a line that I'll never forget because when he said the sky is the limit, it was like so big and so huge. It was like Hollywood. It was so big. And then I realized down the years in the road that he said that to everybody. But, <laughs> but, but what a great line. The sky is the limit. <laughs> you felt special in that moment. <laughs> definitely definitely felt special and. Uh, you started off, I think, if I was reading correctly, it was a couple of years until you went heel with Jimmy Hart. So you were, you were faces, you know, the, the, the term, the wrestling term for a good guy. Uh, how, how was that initially, you know, the start there? Well, to, to, to be honest with you, it all comes back to what I said at the beginning of the podcast. You know, uh, the, the, it was very, very hard as, as far as baby faces, Raymond and I, as being good guys, because the Americans, they don't want Quebec or Canadian heroes. They want American heroes. They want some Hacksaw Jim Duggan. They want some Big Boss Man. They want some Jake Disnick. They want some people that are from the United States to be their heroes. Um, so Raymond and I, thank God we knew how to work. We had a great, great, great potential in the ring. So what would happen is we'd go to the ring and when and the people would be like, uh, they would be like careless a little bit, you know, that when we'd be introduced, you know, we'd get a little applause coming in, but it wasn't more than that. But as we went along the match, we would gain the trust and the confidence of the people. They saw our work and they really liked us. And by the end of the match, they were really liking us. But it was always a constant battle to be liked by the Americans. So after two years of doing that, Vince came up with the idea. He said, listen, guys, he says, we're, we're, we're swimming against the current here. He says, you know, you guys, he says, I have an idea of, to, to set you up here with Jimmy Hart. And, and, and we're going to have you move to the United States, to Memphis, uh, to, and we're going to turn you heels. And then when you're going to ridiculize us, you know, with all the, 
the, the promos that we were doing, like wishing them happy Thanksgiving when it was Memorial Day weekend. You know, we'd make we'd mix up our our our, our days of of uh, of uh, how can I say that? Like it's it was it was Thanksgiving and we'd wish them a happy Independence Day. You know, and it was like we were like trying to become like Americans, but we were really nerds and then big time nerds and, and that it was like people hated us so much we had those little american flags that yeah. were just so small and then we were insulting them all the time and we had this fetish uh, music entrance you know we don't like heavy metal we don't like rock and roll all we like to listen to is barry manilow hey we're all american all american all american boys and that song got so so popular i still do comic cons today now i just got from new york last weekend and it's amazing how people still remind me of that song that people so 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 when we turned heel as the fabulous rougeau brothers we went from the rougeau brothers to the fabulous rougeau brothers that was really the beginning of a two-year that uh that was absolutely amazing for us because Jimmy Hart is the, I've always said that everywhere I went, that he's the greatest manager of all times, Jimmy Hart. And you know, everybody has their choices. Everybody has their favorites. But I'm going to explain to you why Jimmy Hart is the best. Because every manager that I've seen in the business in 44 years in the business, like it was Mr. Fuji, he was smart. Uh, slick, he was slick. Uh, Bobby Enon, he was the brain, you know, he was, and, and it was always, they were always something special to their, to their talent. But Jimmy Hart, he would never, never, never take the attention on him. He'd always say, let me tell you something about my boys. Let me tell you something about my man. Let me tell you something about my, my prodigy. It was never him. It was always, he was never saying like, I'm the smartest or I'm the, I'm doing this for my guy. He was so, so he gave value, merchant value to his people, to his protégés, which he was the only one who did that. And it's so funny because he became the most famous one of them all by just promoting his, his, his people instead of promoting himself. And when you had a talent, which I had Jimmy Hart as with Raymond as the fabulous Rougeau brothers as a manager, and I also had him as the Mountie. When you have a manager like that, who gives credibility to, to, to you instead of to himself, that not only makes it more valuable for you, but you have an esteem that grows for a man like that and a recognition that I have for, for Jimmy Hart today. Amazing, amazing. And he still looks great today, does Jimmy. That man doesn't was, age. That man doesn't age, oh, I tell you. He's got a potion or something. I, I got he looks this. amazing. I was with him over the weekend. You know, we had a reunion. Uh, 33, yeah. years, 33 years that I'd seen me, Raymond, and him together. We did a reunion. And it was like people were saying the comments were the same thing. Like, Jimmy, you don't change. He's like 78 years old. And he looks like when he was 48. You know, so, so it's like it's absolutely amazing. So good. So good. Also, you know, I've got to, I've got to say um, about JJ, <laughs> JJ Maguire, you know, your theme music and, and all that. They, they penned the theme music, Jimmy Hart and JJ. I had JJ on, uh, God rest his soul. He, he passed away. He a couple passed months. away. Yeah, yeah, it was so it. sad. It was so sad. And uh, what a lovely <laughs> gentleman. I had him on probably last year, early last year. Really? He was, he was amazing. He was amazing. And uh, I didn't realize he passed. And I was looking on social media, like, JJ's gone. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it, Shock. It was so sad. I, I, just, found out, I just found out over the weekend. I didn't yeah. know. And Jimmy told March. me that he had passed. Yeah. And it was like, uh, he, Jimmy was still devastating about it. You know, he talked about it just this last weekend. And he was saying that uh, Jimmy McGuire just passed away. And I went, huh? Like, you know, I, I, I wasn't aware of that. And, uh, and he was... Uh, 
he created so much good music for the WWF and for everybody. The best time, the best time in the business. I, I still maintain this. Absolutely. When you guys were in it. Now, who were some of the favorite tag teams you went up against, you and Raymond, as heels, when you were heels? And I know there was the tag team division was chocked to the gills with talent. The best time for tag team wrestling. So, yes, some of your favorite experiences in the ring tagging for WWF with Raymond. You know, I got to tell you, that there's two teams that come to mind all the time. And it's uh, two different styles. But, you know, if I was going to go with my favorite, favorite team that I've worked with that I really enjoyed, I'd have to go with the Rockers. Marty Janetti and Shawn Michaels, you know, and, and Brett the Hitman Hart and Jim the Anvil Neidhart. Those are the two teams that I really, really enjoyed working with in tag teams. We uh, uh, the, uh, actually starting with the Hart Foundation, like you said, you know, my first two years with Raymond, we were good guys and the Hearts, they were they, 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 they were bad guys. And then when we switched heels, the Hart Foundation switched babyface. <clears throat> and, and we wrestled another two more years with them. So we wrestled four years with them around the planet, the hearts with us. So we really got to know each other. And then the Rockers, we did so much the same thing. But the Rockers, what was special about that, something that we couldn't have done with anybody else, I don't think so. We were doing marathon matches. I don't know if you remember those. But marathon matches, we were doing with the Rockers, one-hour matches, like there was a one-hour time limit match, and the one who had the most falls would win the match and we'd always like end up where at the end it was six to five for them you know and that we had and we work a full hour in the ring with the rockers without stopping and and one day i'll never forget this i was in the, actually we were in london and then we had this marathon match with the rockers and the, and it was like at one o'clock in the afternoon and and we took the flight out of London at three o'clock in the afternoon and we went to Philadelphia, United States of America in Philly and it was six hour difference. So when we flew, we landed at three o'clock in the afternoon and we did another marathon match the same night. So we did two one hour matches with those guys in one day. And then and, and another time that was really, really fun, just to show you how the, those guys were talented, Marty Janetti and Shawn Michaels. We had, uh, before we did that double marathon, we, we, uh, we did one in Madison Square Gardens one time, and, and Vince McMahon was there backstage, and he, we couldn't wait because we were in the Madison Square Garden. You're in the peak of the peak there. You know, it's the best of the best. Madison Square Garden is like, you're talking about Michael Jackson, Madonna. You're talking the greatest entertainments of all world. It goes to Madison Square Garden, and that's their place. And we knew that when we went there for the marathon match, so we had to impress. And it's a hard crowd because, you know, they've seen some stuff there. And when we had our marathon match, we played a joke on Vince McMahon and we never told him. So when we went into the ring, we did this one hour match. And at the end, it finished five to five and which Vince didn't, he, he was freaking out because the, the, the Rockers were supposed to go over, you know, to win the match. And then I, I rolled out of the ring. It was five to five. And then I took the microphone and I said, let me tell you something, you bunch of hillbillies. You don't think it's going to stop right now. I want overtime. And we went another 14 minutes, like we went an hour and 14 minutes. And Vince didn't know it. But he freaked out when we came back to the dressing room after that. It was like, wow, guys, an hour and 14 minutes. You know, and when we did, they won six to five, the Rockers, you know, finally. But, but th those are good times. Those are very good times. Absolutely. Could you have foreseen how big <clears throat> Shawn Michaels was going to be at that time? You know, I know he went off solo around 91. But could you see he was going to be the star that he was at that point when you were tagging against the Rockers? 
No, not at all. I, I thought that we were all in the same category, the rockers and, uh, and us. And, and, uh, and, and then Shawn Michaels, just something happened with him. And, and almost like Bret Hart also. You know, those guys, they just kind of went a level higher. And, uh, and, and uh, what charisma, you know, these guys, you know. And, uh, but, but great, great talent. And, uh, and, uh, and I always enjoyed, like I said, you know, working with Shawn Michaels and, and, and working with Brett and working with those guys. It was like there's an expression in the business that we'd say you could work with a broom. You know, you could just go in there and, and, and take a broomstick and work with them. It would be the same thing. You know, they would never hurt you. They would always, uh, you'd always be in position with them. They'd always take care of their opponents in the ring. They were, they were really, really professionals, and they both deserved the break that they got. Jock, I'm going to throw in some questions that we've had. Um, from Basically, it's one of my friends, actually, an old school friend from 25 years ago. Now, he wants to ask, he said, ask Jock about the fight with Dynamite Kid. Now, I know you've spoken about this uh, over the years on, on shows and stuff, but yeah, he wanted to know, he, he would well, like to gonna, know about that and what happened. I'm not going to take 20 minutes. I'm just going to take a few minutes to say that the, yeah. everybody knows that the Bulldogs, they, they, they were having a reign of terror in the dressing room. They were playing jokes, uh, sad and bad jokes to the guys to entertain them and to entertain the boys. But uh, they were like bullies in a prison. You know, when you go and you see, you see movies in a, in a jail, in a prison where they have two guys that are the tough guys and they, everybody's afraid of them. And, uh, and, and so, so, so they, 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 they started to pick on me and, uh, and, and I wasn't going to become the McFly like back in the future, the movie, you know, so, so I had too much uh, respect for the Rougeau name and all that. So I, I, I just, uh, I, I stood up to him verbally by telling uh, the guys that I was going to complain to Vince McMahon that I was not going to stand for his jokes and his ribs. And the word got out to him that I was going to stand up and tell Vince about it. And so then he just came in the dressing room one night when I was playing cards with Mr. Perfect. He came behind me and he just slapped me off my chair. I had cards in my hand and I fell off and he just beat me up really bad in the dressing room. He, uh, and, and then I had to make a choice. Like it's either I go home, you know, or I stick up for myself and which a week later I did. I, uh, I just did a comeback on him. And, uh, and the funniest thing about all this in life is like, uh, I'm not a fighter in life. I'm an entertainer. I'm uh, my brother. Raymond's a tough guy. My dad's mm. a tough guy, but I'm just an entertainer. I'm in the business because it's fixed and it's all the work. It's all a scenario. <laughs> so, so I was caught up with these monsters on steroids and on juice and on drugs. And I had to defend myself. So it wasn't a thing that was easy. It was the hardest thing in my life. So I actually called my dad and because my dad was there when I got beat up in Miami and I was swollen up, I was really bad uh, in bad shape when I left the building in Miami after getting my beating. And I never spoke to my dad for a week. And I, I took the plane the next day, went to Chicago. I, I kept going to my tour day after day. And I, I, I wanted to quit the business and all that. And, uh, and finally, three, four days later, I decided I was going to make a comeback. So I called my dad on the Sunday night one week later which I have three kids, so I, I didn't, uh, I, I started imagining how my dad must have felt, like I, he didn't get any news from me for a whole week after the beating and stuff, and, uh, and I know my dad must have been very hurt, and uh, so I called him up to Sunday just before I did my comeback on the Monday, one week later, and I told my dad, I said, Dad, I said, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to I'm gonna do a comeback. I'm going to take care of this, like, you know. And, and he was surprised because I'm not a fighter, you know. So, 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 so he thought Raymond was going to do the job, you know. And, uh, and uh, so, so, I, uh, so the, the only thing he told me, my dad, he said, uh, he says, listen, before you go to the building tomorrow, he says, uh, go to the bank. And he said, get yourself a roll of quarters. And he says, put it in your hand. And he says, when you hit him, 
He says, hit him to kill him. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And, uh, and it was so hard for me to do that. You have no idea. But anyway, so I don't know what brought me to do that. I, I finally did it. And, uh, and, and I earned the reputation of something that I'm not. <laughs> you know, they, a lot of people say, hey, don't mess with Jacques Rougeau. <laughs> like, but I'm not a fighter, not at all. But at least uh, the, some good things came out of that. To be honest with you, the Bulldogs, they quit the business after that. They left the WWF. So, so, so I kept going my career, which was my passion. Wrestling stayed my passion. I kept on going into to, to what I always loved. But the best thing that came out of that is when I quit the business in, with Vince McMahon and the WWF, I started my own federation in Quebec here in, Mon in, in Montreal. And for 20 years after that, I would go in every city to promote a wrestling show, but I would go into the schools and every school in Quebec and I'd give some conferences against bullying, anti-bullying. And I was doing that for free. And a lot of people were saying like, oh, Jacques, you're such a great guy. You know, you're such a nice guy doing that. And, but the truth is, is I'm not a nice guy and I wasn't doing it for them. I was doing it for me because every time I'd do a conference and I'd help some kids how to fight bullying without using violence, I found some ways of helping them. It would really be a therapy for me. It would help me to deal with the situation that happened to me, that beating that night that I took in the dressing room just for standing up for myself and not wanting to be a, a McFly, like I said, you know, and, and, and so, 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 so all the good that I did for the society here in Quebec never would have happened if I didn't get bullied in the WWF. So that was a good thing that came out of all that. But, but like I said, you know, apart from that said, I've always had the highest respect for the Bulldogs. I think they should be in the Hall of Fame. They were absolutely tremendous wrestlers. I remember Raymond and I looking up to them. We had a 20-minute match Broadway with them in Madison Square Garden. I'll never forget that match where, you know, they, and uh, I just think that Dynamite had the small man complex because of his size. But, but his talented would would be so much good and, and, and everything he had he didn't he shouldn't have had to worry about that because he was one of the greatest talents him and Davy boy I, I always up to this day and every time I have a chance to say uh, they should be in the Hall of Fame they were they were one of the greatest eras of tag team wrestling the British Bulldogs and uh, so so you know if I I wish I could uh, I wish today I could sit down with Dynamite kid and you know and then be able to sit with I him and, and, and JJ has actually asked us, a guy off one of the social media pages, uh, they're in a wrestling figure group where they collect and stuff, and he asked, if he saw Dynamite Kid today, yourself, what would you say to him? Sorry to cut him, but he had a question along the same lines as what you're saying. Well, no, it's like I said, you know, I think that, uh, I also think that uh, things would be different. I think that Dynamite uh, uh, it was just going through a, a rough time with uh, the steroids and, and the drugs that they were caught up in. And, you know, I, gotta, I don't want to come to his defense, but I'm going to be honest with you. The, there was 90% of the guys that were on drugs there when, we were, when I was in the WWF in those era, 90% of the guys. And then a lot of the time people don't understand, but when you're on the road 25 days a month and you don't get to see your family and you, you – you travel every day. You lose your luggage. You, they have no idea how hard it is to wrestle. So, so, so a lot of guys, um, for me, 
I was lucky with Raymond, you know, we never went in bars, we never drank, and it's because I had my brother with me at the time, you know, to support me, and we were together. But being alone like that and uh, and, and missing my family like that, it's, it really was hard. So a lot of the guys, they turned to drugs and beer and alcohol and stuff like that to make the pain go away. But I just caught up with them where they were mixing too many things, like, you know, like uh, alcohol and steroids and then uppers and downers and, and injuries. You have no idea how many injuries that we guys, we wrestle with sometimes. So when you mix the painkillers with all that stuff put together, it plays with your mind. Mm -hmm. So so I think that's what happened with the Bulldogs. They just caught up into that. And uh, because apart from that, I remember, I do remember a couple of times, not many times, but a couple of times that Dynamite and I, we had some good laughs. Like, you know, before that happened, mm -hmm. it was, but, but, but so, 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 you know, if I had a chance today to sit with Dynamite Kid, I would definitely like to, 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 to shake hands with him and, uh, and tell him all the respect I have for him. That's nice, man. That's nice. So positive, but also it's very good uh, for kids today when you talk about anti-bullying. It's, it's a good message that, that story, you know, that you, you stuck up for yourself at the time, shock, which is, uh, you know, amazing on your part. Well, I think there's, I think there's, I think bullying is is exists in every 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 era, uh, every working area. It could be in on the road, it could be in construction, it could be anywhere. It's it's everywhere. Bullying is everywhere, but it should not be stood. And you know, the hardest part of bullying sometimes it's is just facing the demon. It's like because the worst part of being bullied is being afraid all the time. But once you face it, and once you 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 expose the people that are bullying, you're gonna. It's gonna be hard. It's gonna be rough. But once you've done it, something's gonna happen. It's either it's gonna stop. It's gonna stop, or there, or the bully's gonna respect you, or so. So, so I, the message I have to tell the people that are being bullied anywhere is. Do what you have to do to face the moment that's hard to face, but something good is going to come out of it. And bottom line, and you don't have to use violence to, to get rid of bullying because a lot of the bullies that I've met during the past, I realized, and I studied a lot about bullying, is a lot of those people, they were bullied by their own family. They, were, they came from somewhere inside of them. They just... They, were, they just weren't bullies. They, it just didn't happen like that. They, they were taught like that. They were, it was part of their life. So if you understand a bully, sometimes you could have some words, some magic words to them that'll like make them realize like, hey, you know, you, uh, I understand you. I feel you, you know. And, and so, so, so that was fun to do that in class and school with the kids all those years. So I, I, I think that uh, looking back over the years and, uh, and going through this uh, this whole era and this whole time uh, of, of bullying, uh, it's something that, uh, that I think that we all should face. Uh, we all face in life. Everybody goes through it. But like I said, you know, if you, uh, if you manage to face your demons, like I say, uh, I, I think that you'll come out a bigger person. But, uh, but, but like I said, never, uh, we should never judge people that are, unfortunately, it's, it's easy to judge people that, that do bullying, but we have to try to understand them. And I think that's a point that's, uh, that's very, very important. Great, great message there. People will take a lot away from that as well. Because I know people have suffered from it. Uh, you know, I think everyone's suffered from bullying at some point in their life. So if people can relate. That's, there's no question that. Shock, off the back of coming away from tag team wrestling, you were repackaged as the Mountie in 1991. I hated you as a kid. So you were doing your job. You were doing your job. And I was scared of the, I was scared of the stick, the cattle prod. I was frightened of it. 
as a kid. I was five years old at the time. Do you know what I mean? It did scare me when you shot people. But I've had a question from a good friend, David Stratford. He's a huge pro wrestling fan. He's watched it as long as me, 32 years now. And he says, was there any man that the Mountie didn't get? Because he always got his man. Well, uh, <laughs> actually, yeah, Rowdy Rowdy Piper. <laughs> I, I tried to, actually, when I won the title off of Brett the Hitman Hart, the Intercontinental title, I, a couple of days later, I was the shortest reigned IC champion, and I went to a pay-per-view against Rowdy Rowdy Piper, and, and we had this deal that was so fun because uh, I, I came up with the idea of I knew I had to drop the belt to him, and uh, so I, I suggested to him that I have my shock stick at one point in the match, and I zap him, but he had, uh, he had a vest, an anti-vest, an anti-shock vest underneath yes. his T-shirt, and uh, so I guess I didn't get my man there. <laughs> what, what a, Rowdy what a, Rowdy Piper. Amazing that all you Canadian guys were involved in that because obviously Brett, Brett and Roddy went on to WrestleMania 8, you know, a couple of months later. And it's one of my favorite matches. It's still in my top three. Uh, Brett Hart is still my favorite guy of all time. When I was a kid, that's who I looked up to. Met him in 2013, Jock, at WrestleCon in New Jersey. Uh, I couldn't muster a sentence. I thought, I'm going to say this to him, that to him, because I idolized him. Uh, I just yeah. couldn't, I couldn't get my words out correctly. I just said I was, yeah. at Summer, I was at SummerSlam 92, Brett, and he said, you like the outdoor shows? Yes, yes, Mr. Hart, I said. <laughs> I, I, was, I, was I was in awe of Brett, what can I say? That, that's all good because, you know, we all have people like that. And, uh, and, uh, and Brett was a very guy, uh, influential guy. But I remember being with uh, a WrestleCon, I don't know if it was that one, but I remember going uh, many years ago with uh, Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart to, to London or Manchester. And I was, it was in Manchester, actually. I went to a Comic-Con and, uh, and uh, I was with Shawn and Brett. And uh, yeah, so, so, so Brett was uh, definitely the, the, uh, the biggest icon Canada has ever seen. And, uh, and he's actually uh, sent some nice words to my wrestling academy, actually. If you go on wrestling-academy.ca, you'll see a lot of old-timers like me. That, but that Undertaker, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, you'll see Ricky Steamboat. You'll see them all. They all put some good words, by the way. And Brett uh, is one of them that put a great word. So, yeah, Brett uh, is definitely the... The best there ever was, the best there ever will be, <laughs> the best. He had that that line there. I'll tell you, the best there was, the best there is, the best there ever will be. Yeah, I abided by those. I abided by those words. I tell you, as a kid, <laughs> unbelievable, unbelievable. Uh, you know, transcended the sport. It, it's style. You know, it still holds up today. The matches are as good as what you'll see. And then, you know, you see the guys uh, like FTR on AEW the other week doing Brett spots in the match. It's just amazing CM Punk the same, you know, they implement Brett, stuff. Brett made sense in the ring. Brett, and, and that's what the storylines were fun in those days, that we, 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 we could tell some stories. We could go wrestle on one part of your body and hurt one part of your body and stay on that part the whole match, which, uh, which they, uh, I don't think they do in our days today. Uh, so, so God bless Brett. And uh, every time I see him, you know, it's always a great moment for me that we share because we spend so much time together. That's amazing. That's me. He's my, he's my favorite. Hands down. No question. David Stratford asks, it's a two-parter. It's a two-parter. So he wants to follow on from his first question. I genuinely think that the Mounties entrance music is one of the best ever. And his tantrum when spending a night in jail after losing <laughs> to the big boss man at SummerSlam 91, the jailhouse match, and all the <laughs> stuff you filmed afterwards, taking the fingerprints. Like A lot of people have said 
about what <laughs> you and boss man and i remember as a kid watching that and just being in hysterics it crying with laughter so yeah just a lot of people have asked about that with boss man how was it for you putting that together and doing all the scenes after the match because it was so funny it was so well done absolutely amazing uh, one of the highlights of my career definitely and you know ray trailer a big boss man mm. yeah, rest in peace he was one of the nicest guys in the business almost like owen hart you know they 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 there were, there were guys that were so nice to everybody in the dressing room. And working with Big Boss Man was tremendous because he was a big guy, but he was so agile and he was so protective of me. Like every time we did those, those sidewalk slams and every big move he did for me, he always protected his guy. He was, uh, and it was a great, great angle that was a natural angle. You had the American cop, the hardcore American cop against the Canadian police, the, the, the Mountie, which was a natural. And, uh, and the jailhouse match was absolutely the peak of, uh, I would say, the peak of my career in the WWF. And, uh, and, and spending the night in jail was absolutely awesome. Uh, doing the making, the making of was awesome. Uh, because uh, of all those little vignettes that they did. And yeah. as a matter of fact, it's funny because uh, over the weekend, I was with Jesse the Body Ventura. Oh. I was with him at this Comic-Con, and he was doing the voiceovers at the time, like, you know, well, me and G, let's go see the Mountie down at the precinct <laughs> right now. And, and then between every match at the Madison Square Garden, they were going back to me and seeing vignettes. And uh, that was absolutely amazing. And, and ending up with, in the cell there with uh, that, that gay guy, you know, and uh, spending the night there where everybody was so happy because I was going to spend the night there with this guy that was gay. <laughs> it was like, but, uh, but it was amazing. It was a, yeah. Vince had some great ideas and, and it was a fun time in my career. Thank you. Thank you for that as well. Honestly, as, as young fans, obviously, I wanted to see you get your comeuppance. And yeah, the, NY, <laughs> the NYPD had their wicked way with the Mountie. He was, on foreign, <laughs> he was on foreign soil and they made an example of him. But I've got another question. Now, you obviously went on to tag as one half of the Quebecers. But the question is from Kevin Williams. He's mm -hmm. an author. He's got a second book coming out about wrestling action figures. And The Undertaker's had a copy. He sent copies to some of the guys, actually. But his question is, did Jacques prefer tag team wrestling or singles wrestling in WWF? You know, it's a great, great, great question, you know, because I had a great time with my brother Raymond as tag team. I think we had so much chemistry. It was a great, great moment. I really enjoyed tag team wrestling. I was a specialist in tag team wrestling. And, and, but in singles as the Mountie, it was the highlight of my career, you know, as far as being popularity and stuff like that. I, I, but, uh, and then going back, I, I guess the question I have to answer the truth is I'd rather be in a tag team. And, and the reason why is I, I returned tag team with Pierre Carl Ouellette PCO as a Quebecer. Mm. So I guess that I felt more comfortable as a tag team uh, because I always thought tag team matches were more exciting than single matches. And the reason why is because uh, many times when you're four guys in, in a match, two guys are in the ring, they could go ahead and almost like in a hockey game, you know, they have shifts. You go in there and you give everything you got and then you get off the ice and then you let other guys come in and perform as much, you know, as hard as they could do. So when you're in tag team, you know, you, you, don't, uh, you, you don't have time to take a break. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. Judy. <laughs> 
The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You go in there and you perform. And then the guys that are on the outside of the ring, they have a time to get a breather and get some their, their breath back and their strength back to, to come back and perform again. So, so I think that... Um, being the, the specialist of tag team that I was, knowing how to, uh, to, uh, to get the people to hate me so much by doing everything behind the referee's back, you know, and cheating. And every time the referee would turn around, they'd look and we'd be like legal. And every time they turn around, that was my specialty. And so the people would be screaming at the referee, like, turn around, ref, and look, Jesus Christ. And then, and then, and then the referee turned around and we'd be legal. You know, we'd be doing everything that was supposed to be done, like illegally. So the people were really pissed off at us. Like they were really <laughs> mad at us. And, then, and I was a specialist in doing that, and with my brother especially at the beginning. And, and, and when I came back with Carl as a Quebecer, it was a different kind of like, a, it was more like a, a tough guy. Uh, it was more like a tough tag team. We were doing moves that were more devastating, uh, like the tower off the top rope and, and things that we were doing. And every move that we were doing, there were vicious moves. And unlike when I was working with Raymond as the Fabulous Rougeau Brothers, we were just cheating. We were just cheaters and doing yeah. some hip, hypocrite, you know. And th- so it was a different kind of era. But I would have to go and answer that by saying I think that my best, uh, my best home, my best place would be in a tag team match. That's where I liked it the most. I'll tell you what, I forgot about this as well. You know, you were, you were a three-time tag team champ with PCO, with Carl as well. Uh, that, and Johnny Polo as well, managing you. Mr. Raven at the time. And I hated that. I hated that as well because Royal Rumble 1994, you were in there with Owen and Brett. Obviously, we saw what happened. That brought our whole story out with Owen and Brett going at each other at loggerheads. But yeah, um, three times you had, the, you had the tag gold. I forgot how many times you had the tag gold. So Vince put the titles on you a lot, didn't he, as the Quebecers? Yeah. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. And, uh, and, and, and uh, we were very proud as Quebecers to go ahead and go around the world as tag team champions. But, uh, and there was a time also that uh, Vince put the tag titles on Raymond and I. We, the fabulous Rougeau brothers, actually, with Rougeau brothers in Montreal. And uh, because as you all remember, the big screw job in Montreal with Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart, you know, the, the big screw job in Montreal. People refer to that as uh, the screw job. But the real screw job in Montreal wasn't that. The real one for the Quebec people were the night that Raymond and I beat the Hart Foundation for the tag team titles. And then three days later, they put in a little ad in the newspaper saying that the wrong guy was in the ring. So they gave the titles back to the Hearts during the week. But, but people didn't know that. And when they came to watch the weekend show... They wanted to see the Rougeau brothers as tag team. And then the Hearts just appeared with the belts and they never even mentioned that we had won the titles from the house show. And so, so that was a big, big screw job for the people in Montreal. So, so I had a chance to win the titles with Raymond once, but now it was like hidden. And then, but when with Carl, I think Vince uh, he gave me back my dues. I guess that's when he gave us the titles three times as the Quebecers. And, and actually, the first night we came in as the Quebecers and, and Monday Night Raw in New York, we beat the Steiner brothers on our first appearance as the Quebecers with the Quebec rules where we, uh, <laughs> we, there was no disqualification. So, so I think Vince gave us back our dues then. Yeah. Amazing. Just amazing. Like you say, you know, it was a different dynamic 
with you and Raymond as it was with Carl. So yeah, just how you you adapted and changed your style. Amazing to hear that, and uh, you know you obviously speak about it fondly. Moving, but if you, but, 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 but sorry, Stewie, but if you no, really, no, no, ask, but but if you really ask me to. I, I much enjoyed better the time with Raymond as the fabulous yeah. Rougeau brothers. Of course. Because it, yeah. it was more fun. It was more yeah. fun than, yeah. than it was. When, when we were with the Quebecers, we had to deal with demolition. We had to deal with the Steiners. Yeah. We had to deal with teams that were very rugged, very rough. Uh, therefore, when we were working as the fabulous Rougeau brothers, it was the rockers. It was fun. It was... Uh, it was Bret Hart and Jim the Anvil, which we had fun working every night. It was a different time. It was more uh, smooth, if you'd like. Absolutely, absolutely. I've got a question from Ross Phillips. He's got World Wrestling Community on Facebook, a group, great group. Uh, no, no egos in that group. Everyone has fun in there. And he asks, who in WWF would he have wished he could have had a match with that he didn't have a match with? And I know you wrestled a lot of the guys over the years, but yeah, someone you didn't, didn't get in there with. I, I, I was a lucky guy. I wrestled Macho Man for the belt. I wrestled uh, Hogan in Montreal. I actually beat Hulk Hogan in Montreal. He put me over uh, in, in 1997. If you go on YouTube, you go see the Matt Jacques Rougeau versus Hulk Hogan, you'll see my clean pin on Hulk Hogan. I've wrestled pretty much whoever I wanted to wrestle, actually, in those days. I may have would have liked to, uh, to, to wrestle uh, Jake the Snake. You know, he, he would have been someone that I would have liked to wrestle uh, as the Mountie. I would have been great, you know, against Jake. But apart from that, I was lucky. I wrestled them pretty much all, you know. So I, I don't have any envies as far as that goes. That's cool. That's a good answer. Good answer. That's nice. Uh, Bradley Tarr, will you be coming to the For Love of Wrestling Free, which is our big convention over here? Um, in the UK, they've just had it in Liverpool over the last two or three weeks. It's in Manchester next year. A lot of the old timers are on there. You get some modern guys as well. But yeah, he asks, will you be at the Full of Wrestling in Manchester, UK next year? That would be awesome. You know, that really would be to go with my brother Raymond as the fabulous Rougeau brothers or as like my shirt here, the Mountie. You know, it would be, it would be a privilege for me to go back to Manchester for that. But you'll just have to... Uh, to, to send that to your promoter, your local promoters, because they're the one to contact the people. I would love to go back and see the fans because, you know, my character, especially the Mountie, was so well adored in Europe because of, uh, I remember doing some, uh, some videos with Jimmy. Uh, I, I can't remember the palace where all the, the soldiers there, they can't smile and they can't move there. I can't remember if it's uh, Buckingham. Buckingham. It is Buckingham. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you're on the, you're on the button there, Jacques. And I remember going in front of those guys with my Mountie suit, you know, and trying to make them laugh and, you know, my electric shock stick and they wouldn't move. They wouldn't. Uh, and then, but my, my character was very, very well appreciated in UK because I remember going for the title against Macho Man with Miss Elizabeth. So my character, the Mountie was very well pursued there. And uh, uh, so, so I would like to definitely go back. It's always a, a pleasure to go back and uh, meet my, my fans that were, uh, I always enjoyed your accent also, you know, like <laughs> just something, yeah. just something uh, I remember uh, uh, I, all my life. I always had a, there was a friend called Tony Charles, you know, a friend of mine when I was younger. And, and, and it always made me laugh when he'd come up to me and he'd say, uh, hello, Jock, would you like to go to the gym? Yes. And, then, and, and he had this accent. It was so funny, almost like singing when he was talking. And, uh, and, and, and he was saying, not at all, not at all. 
And uh, and then and all this accent that really grew on me, you know, it was like, and it's funny because a lot of people come to Montreal and they say, wow, the most beautiful women are in Montreal and the, the most romantic places, it's like Paris, like, you know, and, and the French and all that. But for us, the French people, it's the opposite. The, the English accent for us is like, it's amazing. I, I love your accent, you guys. You know, it always, I always found it beautiful when the woman, they spoke with your accent and stuff like that. So I think it always, uh, it's always in context when you go to a different country in a different language, it's always attractive and it's always nice. To, I can't wait to go to Brazil, you know, to, to see the Brazilians. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the Shakiras and the Jennifer Lopez, anyway. <laughs> But but I'll have to say that one day I want to go to Rio de Janeiro, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, well, that's on your list. That's on your list. I think extending off that, because you've spoken about being in New York last weekend, the 80s wrestling con. So I think, because we're talking about conventions and stuff, your photos, your videos last weekend, Jock, absolutely brilliant. I've seen quite a lot of them. It was great. Oh, yeah. uh, you with you with, uh, with big Fred Ottman, Tugboat Typhoon. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, great friend of mine. Great friend of mine. All those uh, gentlemen dressed up as their favorite characters in some of the photos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was fun. Great, that was fun. Great job from Tommy Fierro and everybody involved with that, getting you guys into New York. And uh, it was great to see. Just a shame I live in Wales in the UK. I would have loved to have gone to that last weekend. Yeah, Scott Wilder's the one who got me down there. And, uh, you know, yeah. I, I, I do a lot of deals with a lot of guys that do Comic-Cons. And they're so great for us because, you know, it's, uh, it's also bringing us back in our hometown, in our backyard. You know, when you see the fans, you get to meet the fans like that. They come up to you and, and so many things happen. Like, you know, they bring you some stuff, some bootlegging stuff the things that you didn't even know that exists like some kind of doll some kind of t-shirts this guy gave me this t-shirt here do you see my t-shirt that i'm wearing right now yeah i just got that this weekend he came up to me and he says jacques this is a gift for you the mount t-shirt you know so 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 when we do those comic cons we get gifts we get souvenirs it's really bringing us back at the peak of our career it's, it's amazing as much for them as it is for us it's fully deserved it, it was my favorite time obviously i started watching in 90 the first VHS tape I got was Survivor Series, the second annual, 1988. And I watched that over and over again. I, I loved it. I loved it. And uh, you guys <laughs> you, you guys deserved it because you did so much. Your road schedule was heavier than it is now. Oof. Uh, Oof. All, the sa all the sacrifices you made, it, it's nice to see at these cons, man. No, that's great. I'm looking forward to May. So you just put out a petition out there so I go to that WrestleCon next year. I'll lead it. I'll lead it. I'll, 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 let, I'll let the organizers know, Jacques. Don't you worry about that. <laughs> that. Last fan question now, and it comes from Mark Towers, a guy from the UK. I think he's from England, so just over the border from where I am. And he asks, did you have any input with your Hasbro WWE figure of yourself? Why isn't the shock stick red? And does he think, the second question as well on top of that, does he think a Mountie gimmick would work today in wrestling? So it's two, two questions there. Okay, so he's asking me why my shock stick wasn't red? Yeah, for your figure that obviously Hasbro did before Mattel started doing the figures for WWE. Okay, I, I never stopped to think about that, to be <laughs> honest with you. <laughs> I just I was so happy. That, I'm just happy they had the shock stick in there. And if the Mountie gimmick would work again today, I think that copyright, copy cons, and copyrights are never as good as the original. So, so you know, I think that uh, what would be great actually today is uh, is if uh, 
If they brought back the Mountie, the original myself, the Mountie as a manager or something like that, I think that I could do some really serious business with the with the, the business today. But it's not something that I'm, I'm really asking or looking forward to because I'm 62 years old soon. But it would be something great because I have this knowledge of the business for 44 years that I think I could bring to, to, to some young talent. And, uh, and I think that the, uh, the talent of today, uh, you know, we had an expression when I was young uh, in the business and, and that lasted for a long time. It was, it was like uh, less is more. And you know, and, and, and today I think they're doing too many things too fast, and that doesn't mean as much. And, and in our days, we did less, but we did it with a lot more character and, 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 and personality, and it meant more. So, so that's what I would bring, I think, to, to the wrestling today, my knowledge, yeah. Also, I'd be remiss before we go. You've trained. You've trained a lot of guys that we see today. You know, you got it. I've got a lot of respect for like the guys that have passed through. You know, your your school over the years. You know, just talk to us about that and how gratifying that is for you as a teacher, a mentor, a coach to these guys. Because that's that's well, I, full circle. That must be full circle for you. Well, you know, it's amazing. You know, and when I look at a guy like Kevin Owens, who spent uh, from the age of 14 years old, he got to my school and, uh, and he left at the age of 18 to have an amazing career. And, and I showed him how to walk, how to talk, how to, to everything that he had. And he knows he was like a baby. And uh, so, so that's, that when, that's amazing for me. It was great credibility for my school. And there's a lot of uh, guys like that that I had a chance to train over the years. And now, uh, even now, just this wrestling academy that I'm into that's starting Sunday, it's amazing because the, all these guys of independent federations, they have their own way of wrestling and stuff. But when they come to the academy on the weekend and this summer to go to the, to the finally end up at the Nightmare Factory if they're lucky and get these four winning prizes, I'm going to be able to pass on to them. I have coaches in this, in this competition that are going to help them with their work. But, but the fun thing about it is all my coaches are going to <clears throat> go over the matches with them. They're going to kind of shine the car up like, you know, you wash your car and then I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to wax it. And I'm going to come in and I'm going to put my final touch and, and show them how to work the cameras and, uh, and show them the, the, the ingredients that could make, be, make a difference for them. Just a little, maybe a little advice or something that could help them in the career. But uh, so, so, yes, it's always nice to, uh, to, 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 to bring a little something in, in, in a young star or a future star that could help them uh, because uh, it takes many, many things to become a good wrestler. You know, you could have the athletic side, you could have the, uh, the charisma, but you need, there's, it's, it's a package deal to become a good wrestler today. And uh, so hopefully I could bring some, some good stuff to these young pups that are coming up at Wrestling Academy. Check, check out the website. I'm going to finish Absolutely. with this by saying, Absolutely. check out the website, wrestling-academy.ca. Go and vote. And the vote costs a dollar and fifty cents just so you know don't be surprised but there's 25 cents that are going to care montreal for the homeless we're helping a foundation it's called the homeless in montreal so so don't be surprised if you see a dollar and a half but vote for your superstar and choose the people and your vote will make a difference one day on those girls and men that are going to make it to the QT Marshall Wrestling School. Uh, so good luck to everybody. Hope to see you, uh, uh, Stewie, down in the Comic-Cons and uh, in Europe. And, and, and what a great time. Thank you so much for, for taking the time with me today. Mate, I, I, 
as I've said, a lot of people my age were watching the Attitude Era, and they love the Attitude Era, and that's fine. But I was late 80s, early 90s was the best time for me. I still watch the product now. I love AEW. WWE, it's okay. A lot of people bash WWE, but they're doing what they're doing. It's changed. Things have changed. The way they're funded now, Saudi Arabia and stuff like that. But yeah, just thank you for everything you've done for us as fans, because it's been amazing. And also thank you for being the guest for the episode 114 of Stu's Wrestling Podcast. It is the one-time Intercontinental, WWF Intercontinental Champion, the three-time, disputed actually, three-time WWF Tag Team Champion, because you've had one, you had won the titles of Raymond. It's Mr. Jacques Rougeau, the Mountie, who's been on and Stu's Wrestling Podcast. And, and thank you, Stewie, very much. And remember, I want to take this opportunity to thank the fans, because without the fans, we never would have been there. And we had a great era. You say the 80s, the 90s were great. Well, the fans were the best. As you've heard there, Jacques Rougeau is spearheading Wrestling Academy, Luther Academy in French. <laughs> My French is terrible, but there we go. And you go to the website, as you can see, we have that on there. And there's clickable links as well, wherever you found this. And it's www.wrestling-academy.ca. And for you French people, it is www.lutaacademy.ca. As you can see, we've got it there on, on screen for you. And a hugely lucrative deal for a future wrestling star. It was an honour having Jacques Rougeau on. Amazing, amazing. The best time in wrestling when he was around in WWF. The late 80s, the early 90s, into the mid 90s as well. And yeah, what a story. What a career. Amazing, amazing. And we'll be back for episode 115 very, very soon. Podcast Network.